0: Hello, and welcome back to Stern Chats, a podcast that explores the untold stories of the NYU Stern community. My name is Eric Osterman, and while I usually play a much more behind-the-scenes role in Stern Chats, scheduling episodes for air and communicating with our studio, today I'm hosting a special episode in collaboration between Stern Chats, the Langone Student Government, and Enable Stern, NYU Stern's MBA Mental Health and Disability Advocacy Group. In this episode, I'm joined by some fellow Langone students as we share an open conversation about mental health and wellness while in the Langone program. And at the end of the episode, we'll share some real free resources from NYU and the Stern community to help you navigate as well. Working full-time, studying full-time, being human full-time leads to a lot of balance and tension. And today we have the pleasure of sharing this time with Lydia Herrera and Nikita Kamath. Lydia is a second-year NYU Langone student focused on exploring social impact in business. She's passionate about advancing communities of color in a corporate environment and helping create sustainable systemic change. Nikita joined the Langone program in spring 2022 and has worked across many different capacities, advertising, marketing, program management, operations and product at various tech startups, ranging in size from a team of three to teams of 3000 plus. She's passionate about entrepreneurship and mentoring. Firstly, I just want to thank you guys as Langoners for taking the time to speak during a workday. If you don't mind, would you guys be able to introduce yourselves and talk about when you started the Langone program, what block, what groups you're in, and your backgrounds?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So hi, everyone. My name is Nikita Pai. I am actually a spring 2022 admit. I actually deferred the program by a semester and I'm I'm really grateful for that decision. Um, I am in the blue block represent and it's been a wonderful journey so far. Um, The clubs I'm a part of actively is Langone Student Government. Last year, I was the assistant vice president or one of the assistant vice presidents I'll say for um, student affairs. So we plan all the big events as well as some social smaller events. And this year, I'm going to be the incoming um, VP of communication for LSG as well, because I really enjoyed my experience last time, along with um, some positions that I hold in SABIS, which is the South Asian Business Association, as well as the GMA, so Graduate Marketing Association. Quite a bit, but really excited for it all.
0: Right on. Thank you. Uh, Lydia, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, Nikita, I'm so active.
2: Uh, So I'm Lydia Herrera. I started the program in Fall 2021 in the Green Block. Very, very lucky to be put into such a social group. Um, Definitely made some friendships early on in the Langone program. I am currently an AVP, assistant by president for the ABIS group, so Association of Hispanic Black business students, um, and specifically the Langone vertical, so putting on events to bring the Langone community together. And I started the program in the accelerated program, um, had to slow down a bit, but hoping to graduate this October.
0: All right, right on. So thank you for that. Um, I'm wondering if you guys could get into a little bit why you chose Langone over a full-time MBA.
2: Yeah, so I currently work in digital marketing. I've been in B2B tech marketing for the last 10 years or so. And I feel like I've really honed my specialty in that area. And I've joined a company who has really invested in my growth and development and feel like I've been on sort of an upward career trajectory. So I definitely didn't want to take a pause in my career when I've been on you know such a solid track and i also really love marketing um, i'm very much a nerd about it so i i didn't anticipate changing functions in any sort of way but um, knew that i wanted to explore social impact within a corporate setting um, and wanted to kind of find people who shared similar interests and maybe goals and i think that my way to kind of successfully do that was within Stern um, and work on some of the classes in that specialization and also just give me the ability to incorporate some of my learnings into the work I do now. Hopefully we'll be promoted to director soon. I'm definitely going to use that MBA (laughs) to to build my case. (laughs)
0: Nice.
1: That's awesome, Lydia. I am waiting to hear the good news. That's incredible. So my career trajectory, similarly, I've worked in a lot of different startups. So I've done everything under the gamut from operations to sales to marketing. I've done quite a bit in marketing, actually. Like Lydia, I have a big passion for marketing as a function. But I would say the first decade of my career has been very much focused on exploration. I'm somebody who has a lot of energy and excitement around innovative ideas. And I I really appreciate a dynamic environment. And I think like being in startups for so long, it was a great learning for me personally. And so I finally started to feel like I was finding my footing. I felt comfortable with how much growth I'd experienced, as well as the learnings I took away from the things I did like and the things I didn't. So that being the case, it was kind of difficult for me to figure out how can I, you know, pursue learning while still maintaining my current lifestyle, because I did get married in 2019. And I think like being in that stage of life, thank you, I really wanted to be cognizant of how I can balance my lifestyle of like, you know, having my job, having my family and, and you know, maintaining and investing in my relationship. And so it's kind of like, you know, balancing all the different pieces is definitely an exercise in resilience, but it's something that has paid off in dividends. So I thought the part-time program would be best for me to ensure I would continue maintaining my trajectory at work as well as spending time where I needed to.
0: That's great. Trying to dive a little bit deeper, what have been some of the pain points in your experience as Langone students and or in some of that of your peers that you guys have seen?
2: Yeah, the experience at first was kind of jarring to realize even in the beginning that the need to find balance and figuring out what the best way was to do that and definitely took some trial and error. In my particular case, uh, my mental health there are a lot of like moments and difficulties and challenges that came that triggered a lot of mental health episodes. And so for me, My challenges and what I needed to overcome pretty quickly was how was I going to address those so I could be successful in all these other areas of my life and balancing friendships and seeing friends outside of the program while making new connections in the program while maintaining performance and pressure and expectations at work. Um, so those were some of the things early on, and I know some of the my peers in the group, also, my block, uh, we were all dealing with similar challenges in terms of balancing personal life and career. And so having the ability to talk to them and have them understand exactly what we were all going through definitely um, was a source of support.
1: I would double down on everything Lydia mentioned that's 100% equal to the experience that I had and still am having it's it's really a, a- Exercise and juggling, like, you know, you're juggling so many different things And your social life, the social life you had before Stern, and then the friends you're making during the program, you know, other lang owners, full timers, every, you know, club you join, every experience you take on, it's all kind of figuring out the right balance of your time and energy investment, three hour classes paired with a full workday and, you know, deciding whether you're on an accelerator program or not. I, like Lydia, started in the accelerator program and I didn't pause the breaks. And I wish I honestly had because it's all going by so fast. And and so now this summer, I'm finally taking my for my first semester ever taking one class. And it's definitely a shock to my system, but very much needed. And it is because of like listening to my classmates like Lydia talk about the impact of just checking in with yourself and really knowing like when you need to say I need some time to do this for myself. So I think um, definitely some of the struggles that I've experienced are, you know, at the time, like I mentioned that I got married in 2019. My husband was experiencing major health issues um, when I started the program. And so that happened very unexpectedly, it actually coincided with my acceptance, which is why I deferred for a semester just to get our bearings. And in that time, like figuring out how to prioritize being a caretaker, and then working full time and studying, I was saying no to a lot, like I could not meet people after class. I could not go for happy hours. I, I was very like hesitant to attend events, knowing that, you know, my husband was was immunocompromised and so i really focused on what was most important and that really was mission critical in getting my bearings so that i can now at this point know where to dial in and where to step back that's incredible i had no idea
2: that you were on the accelerated program and you know what you've managed to accomplish and the challenges that you've tackled is just really inspiring and speaks a ton to like your ability to prioritize and manage and find that balance
1: that means the world to me thank you so much Lydia I feel the exact same about you so I feel like we're all in really good company Eric you included thank you yes you included Eric
0: (laughs) I wanted to sort of dive into some of those elements in both of your answers because and one thing that came up in the live version of this conversation was almost sort of like Every MBA program is a self-selecting group of type A overachievers. But I would say the themes that have come out in your responses and in my conversations with other landowners is it's like, okay, well, I'm doing 100% of my job. I'm also going to do 100% of being a parent, a husband, uh, an uncle, a friend, and all that. And I'm going to be 100% of a student, right? So these themes that you both talk about of the prioritizing, the juggling, and the balancing, Lydia, I wrote three words down that you mentioned that were maintaining performance and pressure, and those speak very strongly to me. (laughs) But it's like, there's tension in that balance, right? Of as you prioritize those things, and you get more comfortable saying no, and it being an intentional no, do you guys have any stories of your experiences where you've had to balance for yourselves and set a boundary, even if you know everyone was going to beer blast and you were like i gotta go to bed
1: that's a great question i really appreciate that question because i feel like in my first semester especially given my unique circumstances i had to say no to a lot i had to say no to a lot and i was worried because i was scared that was the formative time of my experience it was my first year and i was really wondering like would that no result in me not maintaining or, or even developing these relationships, you know, that I've cultivated in class. Like there's only so much connection you can make in a 15 minute break period during your class. And at the time that I started, the mask policy was in full throttle. So it's also hard to connect with half of a person's face. <laughs> I really believe that the people who are meant to be in your life and um, the opportunities that are meant for you will not pass you by. And that is something I've had to like ingrain in my head And so what I mean by that is because of my unique circumstances, I was also able to like cultivate intentional friendships with the people who are understanding of my nose and the why behind them. They cared enough to ask like, Hey, you know, I noticed you haven't been at these events. Is there a better way for us to connect? Should we do a coffee? Like, can we connect over a call? That sort of thing. And it just naturally and organically happened. And I think to Lydia's point that she mentioned earlier, that's the beauty of the program. And I think you also touched on this, Eric. It's that everyone has some version of something going on in their life, in addition to school, in addition to work, and in addition to everything else. And so, I think that the people who were meant to be in my life came into my life and I'm so grateful for those people because they really helped me through this very difficult patch and I think that those are the people who I now actively cultivate a friendship with because my time has freed up a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah that's
2: such a great perspective and I admire that a lot. I have to say that when I started no was not even in my vocabulary. <laughs> I think I learned that um, much later on, at least after my first like semester and a half. And I think because I I was trying to discover and learn so much about myself that it all came at once and I didn't quite know what to do except to do everything. Earlier um, that year, early 20, uh, 2021, i found out that i had been diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder and i'd been living with it i think for a few years and hadn't known my diagnosis for a year so to me um, i was just experiencing so many extreme moods that were often triggered by the pressure and the stress um, of work and school and Trying to be there for every social event. And it got to a pretty drastic point where it forced me into this place where I couldn't keep doing what I was doing if I wanted to be successful or even remotely successful, whatever that looked like to me at the time, if I didn't seek help. And so when I prioritized that and found different avenues of, you know, trial and error, whether it be different therapists, different psychiatrists, different medications, I was also um, misdiagnosed the first time around, which caused, you know, rapid cycling in um, my disorder. So it was definitely hard and did not you know, happen quickly where I was able to get to my nose and my healthy boundaries. But I have to say, after putting in the work, I do feel a lot better now, although it's never, you know, sunshine, but I know how to
1: manage it a lot better this year than I did my previous year. Right on. I wanted to just chime in because something about what Lydia said really, really stuck out to me. I 100% like just feel like, Genuinely, one of the things I'm so grateful for is meeting Lydia, you and Eric in in the panel we all did together. Because something that struck me is in the first year, I mentioned that I was able to say all these no's and I found the right people who were able to respect that. The interesting thing that happened is that after we got to a good point in my husband's health, I saw that as an opportunity to start saying the yeses. And I did say the yeses. So I kept saying yes. And I think the interesting thing that happens is it gave me a realization about myself. It's so much easier for me to say no when it's about somebody else. Like I'm like, oh, like I have to prioritize my husband. Like this is do or die. And that was an easy no for me to say. When it came to me, even if I was like burning the midnight candle at every single end, I could not say no to save my life because I just could not i felt like the the overachiever in me the social butterfly the wanting to be everything to everyone and just i put myself on the back burner and so i i just found like that realization through what you shared so i wanted to say thank you because i i really appreciate like that trajectory that your you know semester took at stern
2: that um observation you had about prioritizing kind of other people and make it's easier to say no when it's about someone else um I I feel like my therapist has tried to that's the one thing she keeps reminding me of like (laughs) we give so and when I say we me like I I give so much grace to other people in my life but I it's not easy for me to extend that grace to myself and that definitely adds to the pressure and so I have to I have to remind myself to prioritize myself and not feel guilty about it, which is hard.
0: I just want to copy and paste everything that just got said, because it's like, <laughs> not only do I rationalize the nose easier if it's like, oh, my, my mom is sick, my, my wife is sick. I feel like it invites less questions from others. So you don't feel that sort of like well-intentioned, well-meaning kind of peer pressure to like have another shot with us at this random bar. It's like, I need bed, dude. I need to go to sleep. Yeah, so I think, I I mean, you guys both touched on it and shared some some really personal stories. Is there anything else about sort of your mental health and wellness journeys that you want to sort of share? Because this is going to be listened to by current Lang owners and future Lang owners as well.
1: I'll jump in here because I think two things. And I think it's a great thing that we're doing this podcast together because I think vulnerability generates more vulnerability. Like when you're giving someone the gift of candor and really speaking freely from your heart, it opens up a space to create that permission for somebody else. So I did want to say also that the unfortunate impact of all the yeses that I did say when it came to, you know, not prioritizing my own health and just really going go, 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 Was that i too was diagnosed with my own know, disease which i i recently found out i have multiple sclerosis obviously this is not a cause and effect type of thing i definitely had it for a long time without knowing but going over and over again just trying to like you know put my stress to the side or or really try to like focus on Getting everything under the sun done hundred percent here, hundred percent there, hundred fifty percent somewhere else. It just led to me having a relapse. And you know, when I say relapse, what that means in ms is it kind of just alerts you to the fact that you have this like i was experiencing some numbness in my face and it just came out of nowhere and then i later got diagnosed and i understood like stress is that trigger like having an unbelievable amount of stress for a prolonged dur- duration of time so you can only imagine like the stress of my husband's diagnosis the stress of school the stress of work all of these things just led to me you know for better or for worse finding out that this was you know, existing within me. I had all of this nerve damage. And so one thing I would really prioritize for every incoming lang owner, for current lang owners, is that it's okay not to be okay. And it's very okay to tell someone that. Obviously, someone you feel you're in a trusted space with, someone you feel comfortable with, someone you feel safe with. This is not to say that you have to reveal anything or share anything you don't want to, but rather don't hold yourself back and and feel like it's something to be ashamed of or embarrassed of like i really struggled with that i was like what are people going to think of me you know like is this like a deficit in myself and it was such a heavy load to carry and it only got better by starting to open up about it like there is nothing wrong with me like i am not a defective piece like i am someone who is overcoming challenges that life has thrown at me and finding my new normal and that is very okay so i just you know i really encourage people to like dial into like what makes you healthy and happy and know the non-negotiables and for me those non-negotiables are health like health is number one you only get one life like you being okay everything else can wait like you being okay is number one so i just really wanted to share that and give a special shout out to Lydia because her sharing also allowed me to share. So demonstrated the behavior I'm I'm advising all of you to take.
2: Oh my gosh, I, I resonate with that journey so much. And I feel like I had to go through a similar process. I was terrified when I found out that I had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder because it's one of those mental illnesses that get portrayed in media as a scary thing, like erratic, dangerous. And I internalized a lot of that in the beginning and had those same questions of like, what are people gonna think of me? And that, that caused me to not have confidence in myself and question how was I going to graduate? How was I going to lead my global team when there are days where I couldn't get out of bed Or days where my ego was so large that I couldn't trust anything that came out of my mouth. So I, again, had to get to a point where, you know, what were my non-negotiables? What did I have to do in order to be healthy and show up for my life and show up for my friends? And that was going to therapy once a week exercising four to five times a week which is not fun but i know that i need the extra endorphins to help balance my brain chemicals see my psychiatrist once a month and be really honest with her when i am having major mood swings even though that that means that my medication will go up and medication was also something i struggled with because that was the sure indicator that you know i was sick in some way so it was just this like journey of accepting You know, the things in life that were happening to me, letting go of the shame and yeah, like showing people that, that it's possible to be a functioning, successful human who deserves grace. And this is one of the first times that I'm sharing so publicly about my mental illness Um, and it still scares me, but I think it's a necessary conversation and we don't talk about it enough and we need to change the stigma that comes with mental illness. And you know, my thing is like, no one should have to suffer in silence or be alone in it. I do hope that things change and we can all be more open about, you know, the human experience.
0: That's so great. And thank you both for sharing. It's interesting. And when you guys both share, you mentioned some of the same, what is everyone going to think? Right. And that's definitely something that I have felt with some of these issues as I've struggled with them myself. And I think a couple of really Im- important things that have sort of helped me is like, first off, people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are, <laughs> <laughs> truly. Look, there's a, there's a pretty big age range, in, especially in the Langone program, because folks come to this in different stages of their career, whether that be anywhere from 24 to I'm, I'm 35. But that is also the stage where all of us are taking these huge life steps. Like you got married, I got married. I mean, think about just the stress of planning a marriage when you don't have a program and a a full course load on top of it. So I think to hear you guys talk about accepting the state you're in, discarding the shame from it, and then disclosing it to others, whether folks have diagnosed mental health or are going through periods of acute stress or are just living in your mid-20s to mid-30s or beyond, I think that is huge and has also... like. I have certainly disclosed some of my uh, stressful moments or my pain points or just this past week, I had another family member pass away and I had to, I had to step out of a group project and say like, guys, I'm, I'm offline for the next three days. And I've never had anyone ever push back or question further. And similarly, in all these group projects and my study group and in all of these clubs, everyone else has disclosed up to their level of comfort. But also we've all then stepped in and helped out for them. So I think being able to hear that because there is this element of, you know, when you start the program and you go to some of these like cocktail hours and stuff, everyone's LinkedIn is so fucking polished. Their headshots are amazing. They've got an amazing elevator pitch. And then that just plays in your mind of everyone's a little bit farther in their career than I am. Everyone's a little better about all these things than I am. And that can certainly start the downward spirals. But then... If you just push on that a little bit more, it's like everyone's just as scared and bad at networking. Everyone just wants to do a good job mm-hmm. and get a, get a B minus and move through this difficult course. So thank you for that. What would you say have been sort of the tools or the practices or the habits or even like the self mantras that you repeat to yourself that have sort of helped you through those darker and more difficult moments?
2: Yeah, I think you have some really good ones that I even took away when, when you shared last
0: so for everyone listening, we're doing this on Squadcast and I have, I'll, show, I'll take a picture and prove it to you guys that I have it. One of the things I mentioned in our live show was that I have the words slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Because especially if you're dealing with multiple deadlines, I'm, some, I'm very deadline driven. I tend to just like knock stuff out. But that sort of frantic energy was, especially when I was doing recruiting and consulting recruiting was reading so poorly (laughs) that I needed to repeat something to myself to sort of slow down and be myself versus being this idealized version of me that I thought folks wanted to interview.
1: I love that. I remember that from our live event and I definitely took away so many tips and tricks from the both of you. I think for me, it's like a combination of a lot that was mentioned by you, Lydia. Like I think my health came first so then i thought about all of the things i needed to put into place to like make myself feel the best that i could possibly feel because multiple sclerosis is associated with nerve damage i have lesions in my brain and then also in my cervical spine so not to get overly technical but essentially like Luckily, it's not on my thoracic spine and it's not in my eyes. And so the good thing that I realize is like, I cannot control this. Like this is out of my wheelhouse and I'm so used to being an action oriented person. I think a lot of us are and just by nature of being B-School students. We just want to like get in there, see the problem and solve, solve, solve. So I think a lot of my way of dealing with trauma, you know, from my husband being sick to anything in my life that's been a big problem is like going into action mode and solving it. And actually, in conversation with my therapist, she said, it seems like you're very finish line driven, like you you signed up for B-School and that's, a, you know, clear, like you have this end date in mind. That's why you signed up for the accelerated program. You're like, all right, two and a half years, I'm out. Or, you know, you know when your husband's treatment is going to finish. So that's like you put yourself into that mode and then you get to the finish line but when you think about something like ms there is no finish line there's just acceptance like you have to get to a stage where you accept this and define your new normal and so i wanted to touch on that because i think something that i have realized is i need to set up structures that allow me to show up as my best and happiest and most like put together self like how what do i need for me so that i can show up for others show up for school as lydia was mentioning show up for work and so like i exercise i I started running actually when my husband first got diagnosed and i don't know if i mentioned in the podcast but i will share that he was unfortunately diagnosed with cancer that too shortly after we got married. Um, Luckily, he got finished his treatment in June and it was a year long of that while I was doing the program. So it was a very stressful time. But what really got me through is running and that was just time for me. Like whatever else happened, whatever was on fire at work, whatever class I had later that day that I was not looking forward to, I had those 30 minutes to an hour that I was just... Me, myself and I on the pavement, working through my anger, working through my frustration, working through my feelings. And I think sometimes you have to figure out what is what are you doing for you? Like there's so much that we do for others. What are you doing for you? Number one, what are those things that make you happy, whether it's dancing or reading or drawing or running? Do those things more and often make time for that. You know, it's okay to skip out on the happy hours because you're choosing to do the things that make you happy and also some affirmations that I say a lot is, it's okay that it's not perfect. Like it's better to get it done than for it to be perfect. Like I got into B school and thought, I'm gonna do all my readings and I'm gonna be hundred percent in every group project. And that just does not happen. Like to Eric's point, I have had to tell my group mates like, hey, i'm having a moment where shit is hitting the fan and that is also like perfectly fine and people will be understanding so i definitely do that and also have this thing where i set this alarm on my phone called a vibe check literally a moment of the day that i see that alarm go off and i'm like how am i feeling right now and if the vibes are not there i shut everything off my laptops close my slack is on do not disturb and i go for a walk or i go for a run or i just sit and i turn on some music and i dance it out And no apologies and zero fucks given. So I think just knowing like what makes you happy and doing more of those things, taking time to laugh, taking time to cry and like really checking in with yourself. I I started seeing a therapist. I have to take like infusions for my diagnosis. And so those days, I really prep up to those days by like, what do I need to be happy? That was a long winded way of saying, check in with yourself.
0: I want to like pause on that because there's some science behind why that works. Right. And I think I can only speak as, as a male that I kind of grew up to ignore signs from my body. And only now as I've entered my thirties and gone to therapy, have I been like, Oh no, I'm really angry. I'm not chill. Everything is not okay. I'm pissed off. So your daily vibe check is something I don't have a similar tool of like every day to do it. You know, I worked nine years at a children's mental health facility where one of the cornerstones of our treatment with them, and they were all victims of trauma, was to bridge that mind body connection of like when they get angry, they ball their fists up or they pace back and forth. And here I was, 32 years old, and I had no idea what my signs were or what my triggers were. And now I'm trying to vibe check myself constantly of like, where am I in space? What am I feeling? And just that like 30 second check in with myself is like, oh, no, I'm not OK with this scenario right now. I need to say something. I need to speak up or like, wow, shit is going down and I'm totally calm. What does that say about me? <laughs> like, so that there's there's a lot of uh, research behind the vibe check and I just want to throw in for everyone doing vibe checks with themselves.
2: Thanks for sharing that. Um, I am now going to do vibe checks and I like the way that's framed because it's it's a fun way to check in with yourself, you know, it's not too heavy. Also, Eric, I just wanted to say I'm so sorry for your loss in your family. And Nikita, I'm so glad your husband has been able to fight and overcome cancer. And the fact that you two are here, like facilitating, you know, Eric, you're facilitating this conversation when you've had this moment happen in your life. And it's important work. And
1: it's just really inspiring to see you all um, so dedicated to it. Thank you. I just want to echo that seriously, Eric. Like you're incredible. I'm I'm so sorry for your loss. And that's what I mean. Like we all I just feel like the that's the friendships. Like, you know what I mean? Just being in a space where you're like, wow, I feel totally seen right now and I see you. I think if we can do that more and more often with the people in our lives, like and especially like, you know, because this podcast is geared towards lane owners, I really want to encourage everyone to like, don't just think of it as networking, think of it as connecting. Like yeah. one of my biggest goals for B-School, and I know it might sound cheesy, was I want to make lifelong friends. And I really think mission accomplished because yeah. you two are not getting rid of me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what suggestions or words of advice do you have for folks so that they can balance it all? Or not, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah,
2: yeah. I will say it's okay to admit it's hard. It's okay to acknowledge that you won't be able to do it all. You may have to give different levels of effort, you know, different moments of your life. And I think for me, what I wanted to share and be open about. There, there is like a drinking culture in the MBA program. And I really leaned into that <laughs> on my first semester, especially, but you know, Oh, someone in my program wanted to do a dry June and got like a whole group of MBA students, you know, in our block to participate. And I participated. I was like, this is going to be a really fun health journey for a month. But then I realized it was really, really hard for me um, to limit and moderate. And so even this experience helped open my eyes to the fact that I needed a better relationship with alcohol. And I needed to be able to be open with, you know, the friends around me going to these events, feeling okay with saying like, no, I'm not drinking tonight. And it it makes me so happy to see like Stern becoming like more inclusive to those who don't drink a lot. And having like options for like non drinking tickets at events, because then you don't feel like you are excluded from these like really fun things that are happening at school i found that there are actually a lot of people who don't drink um and it's always when you know i say it they they kind of support me and be like oh i'm not drinking or i'll have friends who you know will say i'm not drinking we can be non-drinking buddies together and also i found that I can't drink because it interferes with my medication for my disorder. And so if I drink the way that I had, I'm just kind of stuck in this like never ending loop of mental health crises. Um, So that was something that you know, I wanted to acknowledge and just share because there can be a lot of pressure, you know, to keep up and it's okay to set boundaries. And like you said, Eric, not everyone actually cares as much as you think that they care. And I definitely found that to be true. I'm like, okay, you can get over yourself a little (laughs) bit. And it's totally fine. (laughs) So yeah, just wanted to share that because I do I do think that's an important like acknowledgement with uh, the culture of just being in an MBA program. 100%.
0: I mean, you see, there's a meme Slack channel, and a lot of it is drinking-based. I mean, it's (laughs) so permeated in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Any last words of advice or any last parting words for us?
1: I just wanted to touch on what Lydia shared, and, and in general, like what you asked, which was around advice for incoming students. I think something maybe we all relate to this, but essentially like when you first start, you want so badly to do everything. You're like, oh, I have to take advantage of this because this is my chance. This is my opportunity. I have to, you know, be in part of all the clubs and I have to be great at class. I remember distinctly attending this like morning chat with uh, now a professor, Jennifer Wynne. She talked about this concept of like, Doing an audit of like what is in your life like what are the different things you're accountable to in a day? Is it like, you know, she talked about maybe you have kids maybe you have like a work project coming up Maybe you have like a class project take inventory of those things and figure out what you can be like a plus in What do I need to be a plus in today and be okay with being like B's and C's in the other things prioritize based on how you need to show up for all of the different things in your life. Like when we talk about balance, it's also about really starting to get okay with you know not being perfect. And that's totally fine. So I would say like not being too hard on yourself if you're not doing everything and also recognizing that a lot of the pressure that you're experiencing is actually genuinely coming from yourself. Like you can be your own worst enemy. Like I know I've had days where I'm sitting in defeat and failure. My husband genuinely like looking at me and being like, you're a freaking rock star. Like, why are you sitting here? Like you already woke up and did 80% more than the average person is doing in this very moment and you still feel like it's a zero percent. Like this is craziness to me. So I, I just want to encourage people to not be so hard on themselves. I recently went to a class where literally some of the end-of-life advice that one research at NYU is working on, many people said their biggest regret in life was just being so hard on themselves. Like that is like one of the number one regrets across the board from every person, regardless of their background. So I wanted to share that.
0: Special shout out to all of the spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, best friends, cousins, tias, moms, dads that have picked us up (laughs) on this journey in those moments for sure.
1: You're not alone. Like, I think that's number one. Like you're not alone. Everyone is like a subversion of struggle bus out here. So like just remember you're on the bus together. You're on the bus together. Look to your left, look to your right, and make a friend.
0: You thought that email from NYU was a uh, entrance email. It was a ticket to on the struggle bus.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, like in Harry Potter, that Midnight Express, it's like that.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, guys, that's it.
1: Thank you. This is great. Thank
2: you so much. So nice to like catch up with y'all again. And Eric, I will see you in class tonight.
1: Take care y'all. Bye.
0: Bye guys.
3: Hi, my name is Sun Jung with Enable Stern. I'm the VP of External Events and Enable is NYU Stern MBA Affinity Group. In its first year of operations led by Nicolina and the student board advocating for mental wellness and disability accommodations at the school we aim to create a safe and open space for MBA students who share these challenges and strive to educate the NYU Stern community about disability and mental health fostering an overall supported community and advocating for inclusive policies that prioritize the mental well-being of all students at the university To that end, we would like to share resources that NYU offers from Dr. Warren Hao Yam from the NYU Wellness Center, who is also our designated Stern Psychotherapist. So first off, there is an incredible benefit that NYU offers, and that is free short-term therapeutic counseling for enrolled students, including wellness workshops, group support, psychiatry, recovery, and references to outside help for more ongoing care. And the number to learn more about this and schedule counseling appointments are 212-998-4780. And for more immediate mental health support, you can dial the NYU Wellness Exchange. This is open for 24 seven. And the number is also back in the back of our school IDs. It's 212-443-9999. Should be easy to remember. The Wellness Exchange app is also available for download on Android or Apple for urgent mental health matters, again, open 24-7 and includes tech support. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we recommend that you also look into joining Enable Stern on campus groups and stay tuned for similar future events.